My name is Andranik Eskandarian, and you are listening to Tim Melly Talk. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another live edition of Tim Melly Talk. I'm your host, Artif Tekhari. Glad you can join us. And my guest today is a columnist and contributor from PersianFootball.com. You've probably seen his articles before on PersianFootball.com. And my guest is Dara Zarandi. Dara, welcome back to Tim Melly Talk. It's great to have you on the show. How are we doing today? doing well thank you for having me again excited to be here all right now let's get right to it we know the coaching search is continuing we know there's a lot of you know we have some uncertainty right now with what's going on with team Meli, the national team of iran and of course in particular as to what will happen with mark wilmots i mean obviously we know that wilmots is in a lot of hot water i mean I mean, what from your point of view, Dara? I mean, would you say "hot water" is a good term to use involving Mark Wilmots? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's honestly the perfect way to describe it. And of course, you know, we don't want to. We're not going to go too much into detail about what, what happened recently in those games. We know, as we as we all know, first Mark Wilmots started off with wins over Hong Kong and Cambodia, and then losses on the road to Bahrain, and the loss to Iraq on the road was actually played in Amman. So this is where we stand. Iran has two wins and two losses after four games. But fortunately, I mean, I don't know if we want to use the word necessarily good news right now, but Iraq and Bahrain tied nil-nil. So that means that if Iran wins its final four qualifiers, it means that Iran, that means Tio Meli will clinch the top spot of the group. So that's something obviously to look forward to eventually. But as of right now, the next qualifiers don't take place until March, and now there are plenty of rumors involving who will take over as the next head coach for Team Meli, the national team of Iran. And let's start with it right now, Dara. Then one of those names that's been floated around that's become very popular is Branko Ivankovic, former head coach of Iran. He led Iran to the 2006 World Cup, and we know the last time he did coach Iran was at the 2006 World Cup. Um, a loss to Mexico, a loss to Portugal, and just a 1-1 tie with Angola. And when you look back, when we look back at that World Cup, we know there was, you know, there's a, that was a divided Team Ali fan base as well. First, for different reasons, some felt that um, the players have t- turned against Ali Dai, but let's not go too much into that. Now, from your point of view, Dara, what is your thought process? I mean, if someone tells you Branko Ivankovic will most likely be the next head coach of Team Ali, I mean, what goes through your head? Are you happy? Are you indifferent? Or is it something that you're completely against? I think for me personally right now, um, I'm pretty indifferent when it comes to Bronco Ivankovic, uh, just because there's been a lot of good moments he's had, and there's also been a lot of dark moments he's had. Um, and for me, I would probably say there's been a little bit more positive moments. His track record like as a as a coach both for the national team and uh, for Paris Voices is pretty good um, especially with Paris Voices is very good um, with the national team he's also statistically speaking you know one of our top coaches as well um, however my problem with him um, when it comes to the national team is I you will always remember him for me as the coach who didn't maximize the potential of a group of players that uh, really was our golden generation of players. 
we had six, seven different Bundesliga players, a couple players who went on to play in uh, the Premier League, like Andrani Temurian. Um, we had uh, Javad Nekunam, of course, who went on to play in La Liga. So we had we had a really you know star-studded squad that uh, was in a relatively easy group, one of our easier groups that we've been in the history of our um, uh, of our World Cup appearances. And uh, again the results that we got over there were pretty disappointing. Um, and the road to the World Cup was pretty bumpy itself. Uh, but he did get the job done, and he did get us to the World Cup. Um, yes, there was some heroic moments that got us there, uh, but there were heroic moments with previous coaches as well. Um, and future coaches like Kairos, who I believe was, of course, our most successful coach of all time. Um, so for me, uh, on Bronco, um, I would just probably say that I wouldn't be too disappointed to see him there, and I also wouldn't be very, um, I guess, excited either. But I also do think that we can't be too picky in a moment like this. Um, you know, our options are limited, and we just kind of have to go with whoever the best realistic candidate is. You know, you took the words out of my mouth, and I'm sure if you watched some of my recent YouTube videos, you you know, you'd see that I said something similar as well. And I believe, I do believe that. There are not a, there are not a lot of options, and this it's the truth. And so, basically, from your point of view, I mean, do you feel like you're just saying that you know this is are you are you basically saying that Bronco in a way is just a play it safe option just because you're possibly cons- possibly you know very concerned about how how much worse things can get? Yes, exactly. Um, and the reason I say that is also because you have to keep in mind whenever you're talking about a foreign coach with respect to Iran and the national team there's a certain level of familiarity and comfort that person has to have to be able to operate in Iran and with the players and all the drama and all the shortcomings that comes with coaching in Iran, limited resources, so on and so forth. Bronco already knows about those obstacles that he's going to have ahead of, uh, you know, signing any contract with uh, the Iranian football federation. So the fact that he's coming in already knowing what those obstacles and challenges are going to be off the field. Uh, he's going to have a very strong level of familiarity of the players. Um, and then, of course, also of our opponents as well. You know, he, he's very good friends with uh, Sreko Katanich, the national team coach of Iraq. Um, so I wouldn't doubt for a second that he's following that, that team and their results. Um, and, of course, obviously, just you know, being a coach in Asia, knowing about our opponents in the remaining games like Batrain and Cambodia and Hong Kong. So considering all those things, I definitely think he has a, a big edge on, on a lot of different coaches, um, especially if we're talking about European coaches. And when talking about different coaches, you know, there's other player, there's other um, potential candidates to mention here as well. So we, of course, you know, went over Bronco. We could, we could come back to that a little bit later. But the next person I want to mention is Vahid Hashemian and, of course, a uh, legendary player for Tiomeli and you know played under Branko Ivankovic and had, was a, had a huge role in helping Iran get to the 2006 World Cup in Germany. He's currently an assistant coach to Mark Wilmot. And from my opinion, my point of view, he is he I mean he is my first choice actually to be the next head coach for Iran if it was up to me. And the one, but the one thing I find to be a little annoying is that on social media there's certain um, sources saying that you know Hashemian is basically deserving a lot of the same criticism that Wilmots has received. 
And you know, this goes to you know how you know this involves player selection and you know who who's you know who got called up, who was starting, you know who got subbed in. And from my point of view, I think it's unfair for Hashimian to be receiving a lot of this criticism. I mean, what what, what is your take on that? Do you feel that Hashimian is does deserve some criticism? I mean, and would you be okay with him possibly taking possibly taking over as head coach of Tiomeli? Um, I can certainly understand the criticisms. I mean, at the end of the day, he is the right-hand man of Wilmots, who, and again, I, I use right-hand man pretty loosely. He is um, a very powerful assistant coach. He has given a lot of authority. Um, and, you know, he's been in charge of, for sure has been in charge of, um, from what I've understood, for putting together some of the lists and whatnot. Um, and with that said, you know, I think that he he does definitely play a role in you know what has transpired over the last few months, but he's not Mark Wilmots. He's not the head coach. It was not his responsibility to take um, charge of the national team to be able to implement his ideas. He's doing what Mark Wilmots wants to be done. So um, again, this is also something I'm kind of indifferent about. Um, I don't think he would be the ideal candidate. I would disagree with you on that. He wouldn't be my first choice to come in, but he wouldn't he wouldn't be my last either. Um, and I don't think he's fully responsible. Um, I think he's maybe somewhat partially responsible at the most for the current situation. Um, but again, this is also something that can be debated since we don't know um, all of the facts ourselves with uh, respect to how much he's uh how much of a role he's really had in really all of the crazy shenanigans that have transpired in the last few months okay now as we're moving on a bit you know we have a few a few few names to cover and you know we'll come back to some of these names as well but now when talking about a domestic um a domestic coach that possibly can take over as head coach of team ellie one player whose name is uh, one, of course, and there's another former player and actually a teammate of Vahid Hashemian, Yahya Golmohamadi. And he's been coaching for a good amount of years now. He's currently head coach of Shah Khodro, or I believe you could also call the team uh, Padide. I mean, this is something where I'm really kind of wondering, you know, make up your minds, some of these teams, but, you know, I'll move past that. But Yahya Golmohamadi, I mean, when you hear his name, I mean, once again, this is a player with a lot of respect from Tiameli fans. You know, even a fan favorite, but you know you can't get too drawn into wanting someone to play, wanting someone to be head coach of Iran just because they're a fan favorite. But with what he's been doing with um, Paddy Day, you know, Shahodro this season in the Persian Gulf Pro League, I mean, what what is your take? I mean, would you want to see Yahya Golmohamadi as a possible as poss- possibly becoming head coach of Team Meli? I mean, for sure, comparing him to other Iranian coaches, I think he would probably in my opinion be the best candidate um he does understand modern football tactics his team does play an exciting brand of football um you know again something that i think he does well that i just had criticized bronco about um which was you know not being able to get the most out of his players i think that yeah he comes in and does uh get the most out of his players from you know the the teams he's coached in the past and obviously with Shahir Khodro right now um, and the results he's been getting so um, I do think that Yahya compared to other Iranian coaches is you know one of the better options if not the best option Um, I am personally not a fan of having Iranian coaches 
on our national teams simply because of the fact that we have never qualified for a World Cup with an Iranian coach since Heshmat Mohajirani in 1978. So with that in mind, um, and especially seeing the amount of times in throughout history Iranian coaches have stepped in in crucial situations, none of them have been able to get the job done. Um, I personally think that we need European coaches with a higher level of understanding of football and modern football tactics that our coaches in Iran don't currently have. Now, um, again, just to play devil's advocate, I don't necessarily think Bronco is, is that guy, which is part of the reason why I'm indifferent. Um, but could he be the, could he get the job done right now uh, to help us win those next four games? Uh, I definitely do think it's possible. He's one of the few Iranian coaches I wouldn't feel um, you know, very worried going into those four games with. I think that he would be able to put a team together, um, put a plan together to be able to get the, the wins that we need um, in the upcoming matches. All right, definitely like the explanations. I mean, you know, we've gone over some important names so far. Like we said before, Branko Ivankovic, he appears to be the biggest um, the biggest name mentioned. A lot of news all over social media saying that, you know, it's very likely that he might become head coach. And, you know, involving Vahid Hashemian, you know, I, I just got to be honest, I don't think there's, I don't think he's really been mentioned at all. I mean, a while ago, I've said before that he would be one of my choices. But there has been some support for Yahya Golmohammadi to become um, the head coach for Team Ali, the national team of Iran. And now another name to mention here, and this is one that I have to take a deep breath before I even mention it, because, you know, he is, once again, now this is a former player who has coached Iran before. And, you, of course, Dara, you know where I'm going with this. And I remember hearing his name leading leading up in the buildup to when eventually Wilmots was hired to be to become head coach of Iran. But a while ago, there was even once again the rumors swirling around of Ali Dai becoming head coach of Iran, and we all know he had his he already had one stint with Iran. And I remember at the time he was head coach of Iran. My the first thing that went through my mind was that is that Iran was you know hired a very inexperienced person. To be their head coach. I mean, what's your take? What, what do you feel about Ali Dai? You know, possibly being the head coach of Iran again. I just don't think I would ever want to see Ali Dai as the head coach of Iran, um, and it hurts me to say that just because, uh, as a person and obviously as a player, I think he's like an outstanding individual um, on and off the pitch. But just as a coach, it really hasn't, in my opinion, worked out for him. I don't think he's. Uh, been able to achieve anything very noteworthy. I think that um, he has gotten some decent results here and there throughout his his uh, his coaching career, but he uh, his teams don't play convincingly. At least, um, not in my opinion. I don't see them, um, you know, playing an exciting brand of football. I don't see them uh, having much of a plan at times. Um, and, of course, just seeing how he did last time with Iran, and he was in a very different point in his career. But just having that in my memory also would make me very scared to see him as the national team coach of Iran. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm right, right there with you. I definitely don't think that he would be the guy to come in and get the job done. Um, I do think that he would bring some things to the table. I do think he would bring... Um, the personality, and I do think he would bring the unity aspect. Um, those are two, I guess, 
of the positives that he, he would bring to the table, but I don't think that he would be able to tactically solve the problems that our team needs to, in order to create more opportunities and chances offensively. Um, and I don't think that he has really the experience to come in into a situation like this and, and, and turn something around. Um, he doesn't have that on his resume either. So um, with that said, I would definitely not want Ali Dai, um as, as a national team coach. And, you know, let me be quick to say also that you know, when I'm, we're talking about these different candidates, you know, Branko Ivankovic, Yahya Gulmohamadi, Vahide Hashemian. I mean, you've heard me say, um, you know, positive things. That I, you know, it's true. I would be okay with Yahya Gulmohamadi given the chance. I mean, would I be a little? Would I be nervous? I would be a little nervous. I got to be honest. I mean, yeah, he's never coached a, a national team before, but you know, someone's got to start. You got to start somewhere. We know that. And like I said, I'd be okay with Branko being the head coach once again. And of course, I'd be okay with I'd be okay with Vahid Hash, Vahid Hashemian as well. So you know, I'm not try, I don't like to be this person where you know every candidate is um, you know oh sure let's give it a shot. I mean you know, but the truth is yeah with Ali Dai absolutely I I agree with you 100. percent I would not want to see him as head coach. I mean, and I actually when I look back at when I look back at the time that he was head coach, I remember even kind of cutting him some slack by saying that he was so inexperienced and he wasn't doing such a terrible job. I mean, he, he obviously did not do a good job. I mean, out of you know during his the games he coached in the final round of qualifying, you know, before he got fired after that, you know, terrible loss at Azadi Stadium to Saudi Arabia, the only game he was able to win was just a, a 2-1 victory against North Korea at Azadi Stadium, you know, tied Saudi Arabia on the road 1-1. Um, tied UAE on the road 1-1 and you know, and was actually was leading South Korea one nothing at home, but South Korea tied up late in the game. And you know, when when I look, but the, you know, the thing is now when I look back at Ali Dai's uh, you know stint as head coach, I looked at I, I feel like I saw a team that was not mentally strong, and it, it was just that you know once they took a one nothing lead, it became okay, let's sit back and play defense, let's sit back and play defense. You know, it was that fe- it gave you that feeling where you know your stomach was turning and you just. You know, and and it just became so suspenseful, and it wasn't even you, you didn't. Sometimes you didn't even want to watch, and and it's because of those reasons why I would not want Ali Dai to be the coach again. I mean, I just feel that you know he did not. You know, he to me he did not bring out the best uh, from the team of players, and and yeah. So that, that that's basically my stance on that. And you know, another name that has been mentioned, I'm I don't think it's I I, I would like to say I'm pretty sure it would not happen at all. But some people think that maybe the head coach of Estegal, Andreas Sarmaccioni from Italy, could possibly be a candidate. I mean, he's he's in his early 40s. He's coached other teams like Inter Milan, Udinese from from Italy, as well as um, Panathinaikos in Greece. And he's also coached in the Czech Republic, I want to say, with Sparta Prague. Not 100% sure at the moment, but but what about uh, Stramaccioni? I mean, do you think that he's a candidate, or do you think he's just do you think he's just strictly in Iran to only coach Estegal and that's it? Well, it's funny you bring up his name because for me, he's probably the number one person I'd like to see brought in as a national team coach right now. Um, but in terms of how realistic it is, I don't think it's very realistic at all. I do think he's in Iran to coach Estegal. He's had some ups and downs with them, but of course now he's more on the. Uh, positive side of things with uh, Esselon, given their recent results. Um, 
Stramaccioni is a very, very interesting guy. He has that strong K-Roach-like personality. Um, he's a no BS, no nonsense guy. He doesn't take anything from anyone. So I love that about him. I love his character. Um, if you've watched his games, I've been following SFL very closely. Um, and if you've watched their games and see the way that they've been able to turn themselves around, uh, you know, from being a team with really not a, a, a star-studded team like you're used to seeing in one of the two big Tehran teams in the SFL and Paris Police, it, it's really a, a young team of uh, relatively inexperienced players, um, a couple of good foreign imports, and, and that's really it. And he's really getting the most out of his team. So, again, that's another thing that I really, really like about him is his teams play an exciting brand of football there, playing with a, with a very clear plan every single game. And on top of it, they're executing. Um, so it's hard to be brought into a situation where, you know, you're, you're new, you're not very familiar with the players. Uh, it's a new group. And, you know, that's, of course, why he struggled to begin with. But he was able to figure things out very quickly and turn things around for that team very quickly. Um, and the results that they're getting right now are, of course, very good. Um, he's won some tough games, um, you know, on the road and in Tabriz being Chakter Sazi. Um, and, you know, that, that's just one of a few different, you know, good results he's gotten. He's, I believe it was a four or five game overall winning streak, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that SFL was on. So um, just having him there and any run and getting used to the working conditions, getting used to the players, really kind of acclimating himself to Iranian soccer. I do still think he has a long ways to go, but given that he's already done a lot of that, um, and like I said, has all those different positives for him, for me rather, makes me uh, very confident in him and his abilities to come into the situation right now and really kind of get the most out of uh, out of this group of players. Um, and I do also think that he would be the only coach out of everyone who we just mentioned to prioritize European-based players. Um, I don't think Ali Dali would. I don't think um, uh, Bronco Ivankovic would. I don't think um, uh, yeah, um, Yahya Golmohamedi would. I don't think any of them would have uh, that same priority of having your players in Europe like Kairos did. I do think Stramachoni, if he was to be brought in, I do think he would have that same emphasis and that same uh, preference of having European-based players and to be honest that's something we haven't really talked about on this show yet but that is something that worries me as well is that the priority of being in Europe will be gone if we don't have a coach at the helm who is not putting that strong emphasis on playing in Europe um, so uh, with that said everything considered Stramachoni for me is number one however I don't really think he's a very realistic candidate just because he has not been mentioned very much, and I don't think that he would leave SFL um, in the, the current situation he's in. All right, everyone, you heard Dara Zarandi that Andrea Stramaccioni, head coach of Estegal, would actually be his first choice. And Dara, I like what you had to point out when you said prioritize European players. Absolutely right. And, you know, real quick, I'm not going to go into it like on another tirade on Ali Dai, but. The one thing I forgot to mention that I really should have mentioned is, is just that the, a big reason as to why I would not have wanted Ali Dai to be back with Iran is that I felt that he's the kind of coach that would hold grudges against certain players, and I remember him not wanting to call up Ali Karimi. And you know, there's a situation. You know, when comparing Ali Dai to Branko Ivankovic, you know, in my current in my 
in my most recent uh, YouTube episode of Team Melly Talk, I mentioned that I like what I liked about Bronco was that he called up Vahid Hashemian and Khodadad Azizi uh, during qualifying for the 2006 World Cup. You know, those are players he had problems with, but he was he was all in for putting his differences aside and just doing what's best for Team Melly. And that's and it's exactly that reason why I would not want Ali Dai to be the head coach once again because to me, you know, he he failed in that regard. But like you said, with Andrea Stramaccioni, I like what you said about um, how his teams play exciting football. And like you said, prioritizing European players. And for me now, let's go full circle now, kind of back to Mark Wilmot. And that, you know, it makes me wonder, just, you know, Mark Wilmot is from Belgium. You would think that a European coach would prioritize the European players, you know, with not just, you know, yeah, he, yes, he did call up Ali Golizade and Kave Rezaï who have been playing pretty well for Charleroi in Belgium. But as you remember in that last qualifier against Iraq, Golizade never saw the field, and Reza and Kave Rezaï came on just in the 90th minute for Sardar Azmoun. I mean, I mean, how frustrated was it for you to watch that game and not see Golizade and Rezaï get big minutes? Extremely frustrating. I think any Team Ellie fan... Um who obviously follows those guys was extremely frustrated. I mean, it's a huge head scratcher because you would think that a Belgian coach would be following his national team players who are playing in Belgium and seeing how good they've been playing. I mean, Golisade and Kavirazaye are a huge part of the success of Charleroi um, being the second place team in Belgium right now. Um, with their performances, they've been able to um, to climb that high. And on top of that, um, you know, Calvareza, I'm pretty sure, is relatively high in the scoring charts, top five uh, goal scorer in Belgium right now. Um, and, yeah, just taking all, all that into consideration, it, it's really kind of mind-blowing as to how he wouldn't find a way to utilize them. If you're not going to start them, fine, but at least, you know, give them the opportunity to come in around halftime to have an impact on the game. But, of course, they should be starting to begin with. Um, and the fact that Golisar didn't see the field and Reza only saw the field for the last five minutes is really a head-scratcher and um, it's something that's really kind of inexcusable and inexplainable. Um, the team really needed both of their services. I think those were the first two guys that should have came off the bench when you know the team lacked creativity, when it lacked that uh, sharp edge up front that they needed. And you know, I think if he would have found a way to work Rezaï in the lineup along with Osmoon and bring in Olizade for uh, the old and overused Masud Shojai, then we might have been able to, um, to to find something better in that game, a better result. And, you know, as I mentioned, as we all know, Dara is a columnist and contributor for PersianFootball.com. And, you know, let's talk about, you know, what's possibly going on right now behind the scenes. We know it's not going well. I mean, I think from the standpoint of the Iranian Football Federation, they would just absolutely love it. And, you know, they they would love it and be thrilled if Wilmots were to just say that he's resigning and that's it. But we know that this is not the case. I mean, how long, you know, how long do you think this saga might might take place i mean i feel like this is a like a like a this is like a standoff taking place right now between wilmot's you know like he said his lawyers are taking care of it now and you know in, in your opinion i mean how long do you think this will last i mean is this something that could drag on even like very long do you do you think it's even possible that march could come around and maybe wilmot's is still the coach and like maybe these next maybe the last four games are his last chance 
It's a pretty tricky question to answer, and the reason I say that is because allegedly the Iranian Football Federation has paid Wilmots out three months in advance from the time uh, of the game against Iraq. So I think that if that's if if that was actually true and they did pay him three months in advance, the national team is the national team. The I'm sorry, the Iranian Football Federation is trying to work out some kind of an agreement to maybe get some of that money back and um, just part ways. I think that's personally what the delay is right now is that they they paid him in advance when obviously he was he had already gotten one kind of suspect result and now he got another very poor result and then now the national team I mean the Iranian Football Federation is like okay um, how do we want to proceed so it's really tricky it's it's really tricky I, I don't think that there's going to be a very short a short-sighted end, end coming like I don't think that there will be um, an end coming very very soon I think it, it would have happened by now over the last couple weeks um, I do think that the Iranian Football Federation will do the classic head scratcher move and probably wait longer than they should to appoint a new coach and to finally uh, terminate a contract with uh, Wilmots. But I do know that they have a meeting coming up with him and his representatives in Turkey uh, in the coming days. So I can only cross my fingers and hope for the best that they do reach some kind of agreement that they are able to let Wilmots go and um, that they are able to bring in somebody ready and capable like some of the candidates we've uh, talked about and obviously turn things around for us. Yes, I'll be keeping my fingers crossed as well, and we're getting closer to wrapping up this edition of Team Meli Talk. And the other thing I just would want to mention, I know, you know, so, some people might think it's maybe silly to talk about, but wouldn't you say that Mark Wilmots should have known what he was getting himself into? I mean, these problems of not getting paid on time happen, you know, these things happen to Carl to Carlos Queiroz as well. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, like I said, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, not sure code anything, but come on, this is the way things go if you're coaching in Iran. I mean, because of... Because of influences, the you know federation's control, things I generally don't want to really talk about. But look, it's like that's the way things are. I mean, you're not getting paid on time. You're not gonna get your you're not getting your check you know given to you by direct deposit you know electronically. I mean, you're getting paid in cash. I mean, wouldn't you say Will Wilmots went into this you know being pretty um, pretty naive or stupid? One hundred percent. Of, of definitely very naive on Wilmot's end for not doing his due diligence. It's very out in the open. It's very well documented that foreign coaches who do come to Iran uh, always have a struggle of getting paid. And um, it definitely, you know, I, I do put the responsibility on him if he genuinely was, you know, as shocked about the situation. Oh, I wasn't paid on time. Um, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But uh, of course, it doesn't take anything away from the fact that it's wrong to begin with. It is very wrong uh, that things do work that way in Iran, but it, it is the unfortunate truth. And if Wilmot was not aware of that ahead of time, then yes, he was very, very naive. And one last thing to mention, you know, while we're talking about how, you know, of course, this is all about Iran's coaching search. Do you think it is reasonable? Does it make any sense to say, okay, let's, you know, out of all the candidates we talked about, do you think any of these candidates would be okay with coaching the last four games? And then seeing what happens after that. I mean, or do you think that all these candidates would want a guaranteed contract until the end of the until the until qualifying is completed? I think all of them would want some kind of a 
guarantee um, because all of them, uh, you know, are, are in certain situations right now. Like, for example, Gold Mohammadi, who would be leaving Shara Khodro um, as the first place team right now in Iran, uh, competing for a championship. And, uh, you know, for example, Stramachoni as well, he would be leaving SOL, who is on the brink of. Um, competing for a championship so I do think that most of them would and of course Ali Doya just don't think that his ego would allow him to sign a contract that would be just for four games um, and Bronco Ivankovic as well I don't think that he would want to sign a contract that would just be for four games as well just given who he is and his track record and so on and so forth um, so it would be interesting to see how the contracts would be constructed but I mean I don't think that the, the Federation would think twice about offering a two- or a three-year deal to any of those people and just terminating their contract if they didn't um, kind of get out of those. If they didn't at least get to the next round. If we don't get first place, we get second place, and then we still find a way to um, advance, I, you know, then maybe they, they keep them. Uh, but that's a very hypothetical thing. We have to wait and see what happens. Absolutely. We do have to wait and see. But as we know, time does fly pretty quickly. Dara, I'd just like to thank you again for taking the time to be here on Team Melee Talk. It was great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Art. Always, uh, always a pleasure. And uh, crossing our fingers for Team Melee in the next coming months. Right there with you as well. We just have to wait and see what happens. But like we said, you know, we just have to wait and let's hope things work out for the better. And that's it, everybody, for this edition of Team Melee Talk. Really glad you're able to join us on Twitter audio, and on Facebook radio. As always, look for us on social media. You know the handle, at Team LA Talk. We're available on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. Don't forget to check out our latest YouTube videos. And don't forget to visit our website as well, www.teamelitalk.com. Once again, everybody, thank you for joining us on this edition of Team LA Talk. I'm your host, Artif Takhari. We'll see you next time. Hey, this is Omid Nazari, and uh, you are listening to Timely Talk.